Hey guys, this is the Good Daughter Podcast. We're here to help women or people who feel constrained or conflicted by their cultural upbringing. I'm Misha Good, and I'm going to give you my advice on how you can overcome your cultural conditions to create a life on your own terms, because you're more than just a good daughter. Have you heard of the concept of third culture kids? So according to Merriam-Webster, the definition of a third culture kid is a person who grew up in a culture different from the one their parents grew up in. So this could be used to describe first-generation kids in the West. It could also be used to describe people who were born abroad and then moved to the West at a younger age and end up spending most of their life here in their new home. The term third culture, interestingly enough, was actually coined by an American sociologist, Ruth Usim, and it was initially established to refer to kids who moved from the United States to India due to their parents' jobs. And she was really focused on the mixed identity that these kids developed because they had their parents' American background, but these kids were now growing up in Indian society and culture. These days, I think third culture is often used to describe kids or people who leave places such as Asia, Southeast Asia, or the Middle East and immigrate to the West. So the thing about being third culture is that you have a lot of different experiences because of your mixed identity. So when you identify as a third culture individual, you find yourself almost torn between two worlds, the world of your parents and then the world that you're now growing up in. I think there's an equal amount of positive and negative experiences that come with being third culture. I actually don't even want to say negative experiences. I would say challenging experiences because if you just look at an experience as completely negative, then you are not allowing yourself the opportunity to grow and take advantage of personal growth that can come from challenging experiences or circumstances. One of the experiences that I want to talk about that I think can apply to both people who are first generation or moved here at a young age. These are challenges in school. So when you're in school, you have social challenges as well as educational challenges. You know, socially, you can feel like an outcast. You might be the minority in your school and in your community. You might feel really uncomfortable or out of place given the societal norms going around you or happening around you. In school, kids are talking about topics that can be very taboo at home. Like I remember when I was in elementary school and kids had just started developing crushes on each other, like really innocent, you know, elementary school crushes. That was so crazy to me. Because these kids, they you know would talk about it like, oh, I like so-and-so and so-and-so likes me. And even their parents knew that they had these little crushes on each other. And for me, that was so bizarre because what had been ingrained in my head growing up was that 
having crushes on boys, like talking to boys, being too close to boys was just not okay. It was unnatural. It was not acceptable. And I absolutely would never have brought that up to my parents if I had a crush on one of the kids in my class or something, because they would be so mad and so disappointed in me. And I would probably get grounded for the remainder of my life if I told them or talked about things like that. Or even if they knew that I was taking part in those conversations that my friends were telling me that they had crushes on the kids, you know, in our class or whatever. I just was not allowed to be a part of that. So, yeah. <laughs> Another thing is, kids might make fun of you or make you feel weird because this food you're bringing to lunch is foreign and it smells weird or it smells bad or different than what they're used to. And so, you know, you're not eating the pizza at the school pizza party because it has pepperoni on it. That was a big one for me. I remember getting made fun of a lot because I would tell my teacher, oh, I can't have the pizza it has pepperoni on it. And, you know, we're Muslim. We don't eat pepperoni. And so the kids would like, ha ha, blah, like I can eat this and you can't and you're a loser. And it's so dumb now that I think about it as an adult, because there's like so many known problems with eating pork and bacon. And, but for some reason here in America, there's like this obsession with bacon. It's like this bizarre phenomenon. And I wonder if the rest of the world has the same obsession because it is literally out of control. And like, I've had people that have met me like at work and stuff and been like, oh, you're Muslim. That sucks. You can't eat bacon. And I'm like, really? That's like the one thing that you're going to focus on like about my religion is that we don't eat pork and bacon. Like there's so much more to life than bacon, you guys. <laughs> like get over the bacon. Uh yeah, I still don't see the allure to bacon. I mean, just I don't I don't get it at all. Sorry. Anyways, off the bacon. The biggest challenge in my opinion that's faced by third culture kids is educational. And actually I feel like this is a big challenge for just immigrant kids in general. There's such an immense pressure felt by immigrant or first-generation kids to satisfy the expectations of our parents when it comes to education and eventually our careers. It's a notable pressure. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. Most parents don't want their kids to be like flunking out of classes or bringing home C's and D's. No parent, immigrant parent or not, wants their kid to just be, you know, a total dummy or just doing horrible in school. Like education is generally important to most parents. But the pressure from immigrant parents is something totally unique, in my opinion. A lot of my heartburn growing up came from my grades. And I remember the word duffer being said a lot. I don't know if anybody has heard that, but I remember like my parents saying like, don't be a duffer, <laughs> get better grades. Like you need to do better in school. Um, and it was, I was always being compared to my older sister because she's super book smart and she even skipped a grade. That was not me. That was never going to happen. 
And honestly, I was just so uninterested in school. And this disinterest started like in elementary school and it lasted all through elementary, all through junior high, all through high school. By some miracle in elementary school, I was in the GATE program, which is the Gifted and Talented program. I don't know how that happened, but I was. And I was the only one of my friends who was in the GATE program. And then in high school, I was in honors English my freshman year and my sophomore year. And I also don't know how that happened. So that was also very strange. But anyways, I think I finally found my groove when it comes to education in college. And I think because the structure of college is so different and college is more, at least here in the States, they're open to you challenging the things that you're being taught. They're open to discussion and it's you can pick your classes and take classes that are actually of interest to you. So I focused heavily on political science because I love political science. I love politics. I also did a lot of criminal justice classes because I also found that really interesting. But that being said, I have a poli-sci degree and I work in technology sales. So I've actually never put my degree to practical use a day in my life, but nonetheless, I have it. Another thing with school for me is that I am not, and I never have been good at math. And math is so important for immigrant parents. And it was for my parents. And I'm horrible at math. I had no interest in getting better at math. And my parents tried everything. They got me tutors. They took me to Kumon. They got me like, they had me do tutoring sessions with my teacher. And my mom was even paying my teacher at one point for tutoring sessions. I don't know if that was legal or not. It was very shady and hush hush, (laughs) but that did not help my uninterest and my poor math skills. And that was so important to my parents. So that definitely caused a lot of conflict at home around school and grades. I was just more interested in soccer and being social, which were the two things I think my parent could not care less if I was good at. But honestly, my social skills have taken me pretty far in my sales career. So I think it was a good thing that I was focused on being a social butterfly. So the hyper-focus on school, the strictness around boys and clothing and food were all things that the kids in my circle or in my sphere didn't really understand. And this sometimes made me feel really uncomfortable. Like, you know, I had friends that didn't really understand me and vice versa. I didn't understand them. And I didn't understand, you know, the dynamics that they had with their parents. Like their parents were totally fine with, you know, B's and C's, like being average student was okay in their households. And, and not all their households. I, you know, I had some friends whose parents were like very focused on grades and wanted, you know, my friends to have good grades. But for the most part, I would say that it was more of an issue for me than it was for my friends. I didn't understand how my girlfriends were allowed to wear, you know, shorts to school. I was not only for soccer and how they could just dress the way they wanted. And they were allowed to leave the house wearing the clothes they wanted to wear. I was, that was not the case for me. You know, my, my parents preferred me to adhere to 
the standards, the rules, the values of their culture rather than American or Western culture. And generally all of my friends were just living their best American lives. And that was a lot of pressure for me to try to find a way to stick to what my parents wanted when the world around me was in such stark contrast. And I think a lot of immigrant children feel that way. First and foremost, the happiness of your parents is always front of mind. But when they're not around, you kind of feel like you're just going to do what you want. And then there's guilt from, you know, you feel like you're doing things behind their back. Nobody likes to feel like they're being deceitful. I feel like a lot of my friends seem to have an easier time just being focused on themselves and being kids or being teenagers. Whereas I felt like I always had this lingering thought in my head or these words in the back of my head, which was, would my parents approve? Would they be happy or unhappy if they could see me right now? Their happiness and unhappiness was always weighing on me. And I think the children of immigrants feel often a need to prove to their parents that the sacrifices that our parents made weren't in vain. You know, a lot of times immigrant parents make it really known to us everything they went through back in their home and how hard it was for them to come here. They came here with nothing. And it feels sometimes like they're holding it over our heads and using it as leverage to get us to fall in line with, you know, what they want. I try to parent differently with my kids. Um, Not that I'm holding immigration over their heads because I was born and raised in the same country that they're born in and that they're being raised in. But I try not to hold the things that I sacrifice that I'm sacrificing or will sacrifice over their heads. Because at the end of the day, you know, kids didn't ask to be born. And isn't it our job as parents to make sacrifices for them? And shouldn't our kids just be focused on being kids? They're going to have the rest of their lives to be adults. They have this short window to be kids and be carefree. And I think adult problems adult sacrifices, adult situations should just be left to the adults. I don't think it's fair to put those pressures or those type of problems on our kids. I also feel like my friends had an easier time talking to their parents about their feelings and their mental health. And now at the time, it was not called mental health, but really that's what it is and that's what it was. It was My friends had the outlet and the support, the comfort of knowing that they could talk to their parents about anything and that they wouldn't feel judged or almost more importantly at those ages that they wouldn't get in trouble. I didn't feel like that. I was very cautious about the things I would talk to my parents about because I didn't want them to know too much. I didn't want them to know anything that could land me in the hot seat in trouble. So I never felt comfortable talking to my parents about my feelings, even if it was just about, you know, friends, like I had a friend friendship ending or something like that. I would just never talk to them about it. On the other hand, you know, my friends would talk to their parents about being sad over boys, about being mad at a teacher 
or getting into fights with their friends at school or just anything. They always had that outlet. And that was just simply not the case for me. And I think that's not the case for a lot of immigrant children who have strict immigrant parents because our parents oftentimes just want us to focus on the things that are important to them, which are generally grades, religion, and whatever the parameters are that they have defined being a good daughter or a good child as. So as long as you're focused on the things they want you to be focused on, they just can't see why you would be unhappy or be having feelings, period. Now, those challenges being discussed, you know, social and educational challenges, I think there's some really actually positive and amazing things that come from being a third culture kid. First and foremost, as we all know, we're really becoming part of a global society. People are not staying a lot of times in the countries that they're born in or that they're ethnically from. Immigration has really led to globalization. Um, Through immigration, we've been able to share culture and all the amazing aspects of culture and traditions that are part of different cultures. I think immigration is helping the world become more accepting. Now, we're definitely not all the way there yet. There's still a lot of discrimination and um, hostile feelings towards immigrants, especially refugees, which I just cannot understand. But nonetheless, those hostile feelings still exist. But you do have a large part of the population that welcomes immigration with open arms. I know not everyone agrees, but I think that globalization and it being part of a global society is a great thing. As we keep introducing foreign cultures and religions into groups that haven't been previously exposed, I think we can come to understand one another better. You know, the Quran says, we created you from a single pair and made you into nations and tribes so that you may come to know one another. Whether you're religious or not, this concept of getting to know one another, of integrating with each other, is something that I truly love and I embrace in my life. When I was growing up, some of the my most favorite things to do would be to, you know, go to my friends' houses during Christmas or during Hanukkah and experiencing some of their traditions, which were really different from my own family's traditions. You know, we didn't celebrate Christmas and I was always interested to see like what it was like and how cool it was that the kids get all these gifts. Um, and a lot of my friends didn't know much about Eid or Ramadan. So that was kind of cool for them to be introduced to that as well. At my wedding, my friends and my coworkers and my in-laws, like they loved my traditional wedding. They loved the dancing, the music, the food. It was just a really cool experience for a lot of them that they had never partaken in before. So while I did experience challenges, you know, growing up with the dueling cultures, and it caused me to struggle to establish my identity, I think initially it led me to feel like an outcast. But as I've gotten older, I realize that those challenges really helped me in finding a way to balance both of the cultures in my life and pick and choose the things that I like and appreciate from both of them 
and disregard or leave out, not focus on the things that I don't like about the two cultures in my life. And it really helped me form a strong identity. I feel like I can share what I've learned from, you know, my parents' culture with my friends, with my colleagues, my husband, my in-laws, and eventually with my kids so that, you know, we won't lose those traditions and those aspects of culture. Um, And I think that the things I've adopted from being raised here in the States really helped me in my career, helped me in my social activities, you know, with my friends and forming friendships with people who are different than me. And I think that it's going to help me raise my kids who are probably largely going to identify as American because, you know, I was born and raised here and their dad was born and raised here. So for my kids, it'll be really interesting to see which parts of my parents' culture they choose to hold on to, which traditions they choose to follow, and which ones might die off in the future. Some people might think that that's sad, but you know, that's life. When you immigrate and you move from one part of the world to another, eventually you end up being part of the world or the society that you live in, right? Anyways, that's all for me today, guys. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Good Daughter Podcast with me, Misha Good. If you've enjoyed today's episode and it has helped you think about how to deal with your cultural conditioning and family expectations, please subscribe to the show and I'd love to hear from you. So send me a DM on Instagram at the Good Daughter Podcast. Thank you. Thank you.